Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Presque Parisienne. I'm your co-host Kelly and I am joined by Delara. Bonjour! We're continuing the discussion from last week, so if you haven't listened to that episode yet, we strongly suggest that you do that first. We are continuing the recording again in the same cafe, just at the Bastille, for obvious reasons. So, let's start and talk about protests. We actually wanted to start this topic by talking about our own experiences with protests to set the scene. Well, on my end, I got highly politicized in my mid-twenties when I was back in Turkey, and I guess my most face-to-face experience with the police and protests was back there uh, during Gezi Park protests. I got sprayed by, I don't know what you call these in English, like high-pressure water tanks. They use them to separate protesters. Um, I got tear gassed, I even like collected capsules for evidence as if like that was gonna make a change, but oh well. Um, I'm not sure if it's safe for me to say this, but I even like built barricades and stuff. So I wouldn't say I'm like a professional protester. (laughs) It does sound like it, but I know the basics Mm. and I know like how to do first aid after being tear gassed and stuff like that. Uh, And when I first came here, I came with the mindset of like being highly politicized and I literally knew no one. Mm-hmm. So my way of socializing was actually going to protests. Right. Um, I even like my first friends uh, at those protests. But anyway, I haven't gotten into a clash with the French police at all because I was really scared of getting uh, detained and deported because I was just new mm-hmm. and I didn't have the French nationality. I learned that this actually cannot be done unless you're illegal in France or committed a major crime. But back then I didn't know and I was like really scared. Mm -hmm. I always left the scene when crashes started. Um, I say I'm less of a protester now, not that I don't care, I do. uh, But I just got burnt out and I tried to channel my energy at things that touch me the most. Mm I know it sounds horrible, but I have to prioritize causes. You know, you have to pick your battles, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are like my experiences with protests. How about you, Kelly? So I want to say that I um, I did take part in the National Strike Day back in mm-hmm. um, March this year, um, but I have never gone out and protested in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been affected by the protest, obviously, like hundreds of other people. The inconvenience of having roadblocks or the yeah. metros being closed or even just two weeks ago you and I were caught up on that massive protest just at the Seine. Yeah. So what makes these things impressive is not just the number of people protesting, but the sheer number of police involvement. It's yeah. insane. So I only came into like contact, I guess, with the French police and it wasn't because of a protest, it was because of a party. <laughs> so... Oh God! <laughs> so... France had just won the World Cup in 2018 against Croatia. I think it was something like 4-2. Me and a few friends had been day drinking. Well, all of Paris had been day drinking, you know. So when the game ended and France had won, um, we decided to walk from the 13th arrondissement into the city centre, up towards Concorde and towards the Champs-Élysées. Now, this was totally my idea, right? I wanted to enjoy the festival atmosphere. Because I come from a country where we don't even like get out the group stages, never mind like even if we qualify, you know. So wow. I'd never had this feeling before, and I thought I'm in a country that's just won the World Cup. I want a party, <laughs> so, so I made everyone come to Champs Elysees with me. So it was great, right? All through the streets there was like klaxons and car horns going on. There was beer everywhere. There was everyone congratulating each other. It was uh-huh. such a festival atmosphere. 
And then we kind of got halfway up the avenue and just like suddenly everything changed. And like so further up towards like the Art de Triomphe at this uh -huh. time, um, there was like a group of people who had started like a bit of casual looting on like some of the shops at the top uh, of the avenue. Okay. And so the police were like, yep, you've ruined it, party's <laughs> over, everyone go home, you're done. And um, tear gassed all of us to clear the avenue. So like if you've never been tear gassed, it stings yeah. like a lot and I yeah. wasn't even in the fight I wasn't even in a cloud of tear gas I it just carried on the wind yeah. and it really stung so with like you know my eyes streaming my nose streaming I decided yeah I, I really should actually leave this area um, at that time I thought to myself like can you even say that you've lived in Paris if you haven't been tear gassed <laughs> by the police you know <laughs> I mean, we're both laughing here because, yeah. like, the contrast of our stories <laughs> is actually hilarious. Yeah. Although, like, when you come to think about it, being tear gassed by the police mm. shouldn't be a stereotype attached to <laughs> Paris. Exactly. But unfortunately, it's the case. Yes, that's it, exactly. So, we are going to go on and talk about some truly horrible instances of police brutality that um, have left people maimed, blind, or led to some deaths. Yeah. Um, and the changes to the attitudes around the French policing since like the Gilets Jaunes movement specifically. Delara, can we look into why the French are famously known for protesting? Yeah, so to give um, a very, very quick historical context, uh, the rioting for rights or freedom in France goes back all the way to the 13th century, to the first revolution of Paris, led by Etienne Marcel and then the actual revolution of 1789 that we all know about. It was a bloody revolution and on 14th of July was when the Bastille prison was demolished. This prison was very unusual actually. The king could imprison subjects here with mere royal missive and did not need to rely on a judge to intervene. So right, he, okay. he would just say, you go to prison, boom. They wow, would just okay. go to Bastille. So this Bastille prison represented both like royal uh, power and the people's glaring inability to freely express their thoughts. Okay. Um, consequently, its demolishment carried great uh, symbolism. Mm -hmm. So 14th of July here in France is celebrated every year as Bastille Day, like a day for celebration of the foundation of the Republic. Yeah. So that's the historical context, right? And if we want to look into like why the French are famously known for protesting and the roots to it, uh, I found a really good source on this. We'll put in the show notes. Uh, it's uh, from professor of modern history, Robert Gildea, and he explains this foundation really well. So the declaration of rights of men after the revolution, it wasn't the rights of women, unfortunately that was the case. Uh, this declaration really set the blueprint for the French Constitution. Back then, this declaration set the uh, when the government violates the rights of people, insurrection is for the people and each part of the people the most sacred of rights and the most indispensable of duties. Wow, right, okay. So this was a part of the Declaration of Rights, but it never became the part of the Constitution. Okay. Although, like, insurrection, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. It means, like, going, rebelling on the streets. So after the monarchy was overthrown, the First Republic failed. Uh, then there was the Empire, then multiple republics were set up uh, on the current day, we're on the Fifth Republic. 
And one of the reasons of this instability is rooted all the way back to this right and duty of citizens of France to remind the government that they're actually on probation. Okay. They are chosen by the people, mm -hmm. for the people, mm -hmm. and they don't hold the power. The people do. Mm. It's called the sovereignty of people. Sovereignty. Exactly. <laughs> this concept used to exist very strongly in Turkey as well. Unfortunately, it's not the case anymore. And it also exists in the US. However, my impression is it's much stronger here in France. Mm -hmm. Now, does everyone think like that? No, not really. There are even monarchists. Um, they unfortunately exist even in this current day. And they don't think like this, okay. But when you see even the right wing uh, who's out there strongly protesting for their own values, they protested really heavily back in 2013 against, uh, for example, gay marriage, LGBT marriage rights. And they, because it was mariage pour tous, mm -hmm. so their union, their group was called manif pour tous. Okay. So even when the right wing does this, you do see that there's a strong protesting culture here and the roots goes all the way back to the strong belief of we ended regimes before, we can do it again. It's a, it's a lot of like history to take in like for where all this came from but ultimately you know what you said is like the people hold the power whether someone's protesting for one side or the other you know there, there's, there's the right for everyone to go out and you, no matter what side you fall on. But yeah, that's like the long historical context behind it. Um, should we move into like uh, modern history of uh, protests? Like maybe the, we can talk about the yellow vest, gilet jaune. Sure, the gilet jaune. The whole world knows about the gilet jaune. This, <laughs> yeah. uh, this movement kicked off. Um, it began in the 17th of uh, November. 2018. Yeah, it's been that long. I like we've had how many? Th we've had COVID since then. It feels like like yeah. 2018 was a long time ago now. Yeah. You know. So this movement was initially motivated by the rising in crude oil and fuel prices, high costs of living, and um, economic inequality. The movement had argued that higher taxes in France were like falling on the working and middle classes, but it's specifically in rural and peri-urban areas. The protesters called for like lower fuel taxes, uh, reintroduction of the solidarity in tax on wealth, and a minimum wage increase as well. Mm -hmm. The reason why they were called the gilets jaunes or the yellow vests is actually it's symbolic of the drivers who were involved in this initial movement Yeah. Um, because it's mandatory to have one of those high-vis yellow vests in your cabin or in your mm -hmm. truck for like emergencies and it's been that way since 2008 mm -hmm. so it's very symbolic of where, these, where, where the grassroots of where this movement yeah. was coming from. So overall, though, there was like discontentment for Macron's government. You know, we talked about this in the last episode as well. Like, yeah. you know, Macron's government was for the rich and rising taxes on diesel and petrol, mm -hmm. um, which disproportionately affected people in rural areas. So during 2018, weekly, and I'm not even exaggerating, like every yeah. weekend, there was leaderless protests around the country all through 2018, 2019, up until like the first COVID lockdown in 2020. Yeah. There was violence and vandalism all over Paris. There was things closed down everywhere. There mm -hmm. was metros closed. There was roadblocks everywhere. There was landmarks closed to the public. High-end stores, like all over, like the city centre, were being like set on fire or looted or, or, or you know, vandalised. Um, there was millions of euros of damage mm -hmm. caused, like every single weekend. 
it also started to have a bit of an impact on tourists coming to Paris because mm-hmm. this happened in November so this was like Christmas time round about where we are now yeah and it was round about Christmas time that's where you're expecting lots of tourists to land in Paris and enjoy the lights and all this kind of stuff but no tourists were afraid to come to the city because of how much disruption these protests were mm-hmm. causing every single weekend mm-hmm. In the end, there were people being injured and actually killed due to the, like the police yeah. counter violence that were coming out of these um, protests every weekend. It was a crazy time to be in this city. Yeah, and I, as a professional protester, as we clarified that at the early <laughs> stage of this uh, episode, I actually took distance from this one because I wasn't very sure of the crowd, so I didn't get very much involved. There was a lot of right wing also involved in this movement. Uh, although what we can say is that they had one gain after these movements, the minimum wage increased. All right, okay. Yeah, so there was one gain. Yeah. I think that was announced like during Christmas or something, like a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this seems ridiculous uh, to think about it, yeah. but yeah. And like, because you were just talking about violence, I think like protesters' violence and the police violence against that. Hmm. I think this could be a good uh, moment to introduce black clad uh, protesters. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're called black blocks. Uh, They made a name for themselves for destroying public property as well as stores like McDonald's or banks uh, for their anti-capitalist and anti-globalization statement. Uh, So according to the locals podcast Talking France, which we'll link in the show notes. They emerged in 19, uh, sorry, 2009 in France mm-hmm. and continued their actions ever since. They, you, it's easy to identify them. They're always dressed in black, covering their faces with masks, mm-hmm. and they stay anonymous. They join the protests, uh, go all the way up to the front mm-hmm. to clash with the police. Mm-hmm. They attack, uh, burn down places, attack the police, and then they disperse into the crowds. Okay. So some protests actually do not like the black cat to join their protests as the black clad's actions take the spotlight in right. the media as vandals. Mm. Uh, as someone who goes to protests quite fr- frequently, I can confirm they exist. Uh, you can spot them pretty easily by their outfit. That being said, not every destructive action in a protest is organized by the black clad. Of course not. Yeah, no, yeah. of course not. There are, there are factions there that would go out and you know, like as I said at the top of the episode, I was we were partying when the World Cup won, mm-hmm. you know, and those were just some random guys that had started yeah. like some vandalism. Yeah. So like, yes, of course you can't just say that like one group of people yeah. is is associated with all of the violence that happens during these protests. It's crazy. Now, obviously, if you're part of the black clad, you're going to be in some serious trouble if you're caught. However, this did make me think about your comment earlier about being worried about getting deported mm-hmm. um, for clashing with the police when you first came here. There are also some foreigners here who are kind of scared of yeah. attending protests and we're going to quote the Locals podcast Talking France again here because they explain the rules around this quite well in one of their episodes. Mm-hmm. Deportation is if you're a legal foreigner in France with your paperwork and all and if you've committed a serious crime or overstayed your visa then you receive a form obligation to leave French territory mm-hmm. and then you have like 30 days notice and in this period you can actually contest that order and um, whereas expulsion is when you are a foreign national who's in France illegally and you're being like a public threat to like social order so this like applies to terrorism mm-hmm. etc um, so attending legally approved protests in France is not a crime. 
Yeah, thanks for clar clarifying that actually. That was indeed a good episode to get that information from. And I think people are confused because some protests have been banned recently. And there's been a lot of back and forth on this in terms of like government's communication. The final decision is that if your local authorities have approved the protest, it's a legal one. Mm -hmm. Protest organizers now make a statement when it's an approved protest. Okay. So you don't need to worry about attending those if right. you are thinking of going to a protest. Okay. There is also these types of protests that happen regularly uh, in France due to police discrimination and violence against multiracial individuals, especially the youth in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this part, we'll be talking about police violence, so feel free to skip a few minutes if you're triggered. I think we can have a deeper dive on these cases when we talk about immigration or racism. However, I want to mention a few because everyone is aware of these like car burning mm -hmm. protests, like the one in 2005. It started in Clichy-sous-Bois when two teenagers died from electrocution as they tried to hide from the police inside an electrical substation. Right. So people obviously reacted to that. It lasted three weeks with about 8,000 vehicles being uh, burnt. Wow, okay. And in 2009, again, after the death of a young Algerian man, Mohamed Banmona, uh, in police custody, Again, in 2016, Adam Faroe died in police custody and his family, especially his sister, mm -hmm. is still fighting for justice. Yeah. In 2017, a young man in uh, Aulnay-sous-Bois was sexually abused during custody and the police was actually charged for this one. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, Cedric Chouavia died during a traffic control almost like George Floyd and one month after him actually because of the chokehold technique which is a very controversial technique worldwide mm -hmm. uh, and this was also the case for Adam uh, Adama Traore I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong but I wanted to pay tribute to these people and uh, very recently Nahal N a 17 year old suburban boy who was shot by the police during traffic control and the police officer who shot him has just been released a few weeks ago. Right. And there was a fundraising campaign for the police officer, so he got released with, and is gonna get like a big amount of euros for support, uh, organized by a right-wing uh, politician. Nahal uh, was just the latest of 16 police shootings at traffic stops over uh, the last 18 months. So why, am I why are we talking about these? When these kind of events happen, of course, there's a backlash coming from the victims or people who are likely to be victimized due to the, their race, where they live, uh, and their anger bursts out into violent protests. Do we support violent protests? No, but we understand the roots of the, the reasons of why, uh, where they come from. And if you folks are interested in learning more about like the suburban uh, life, the, where these kind of events are happening, I highly recommend you to watch Le Miserable, a movie made by Laj Lee in 2019, to understand the roots of suburban and multiracial protests happening in France. And another amazing movie, which is very well known, La Haine, Hatred mm -hmm. yeah. that based that is based on the murder of Makome and Bobole 
1993 in police custody. The movie was made in 1995 by Matthew Kosovitz. It's pretty uh, old, but very, very relevant, still very relevant. These police tactics that you've just um, described, mm -hmm. which have led to these horrible things happening in the suburbs to these, these young men. So it was 2019, after the Gilets Jaunes movement, that um, Emmanuel Macron um, would not really allow the use of the word repression or police violence mm. when he was like addressing the country in a speech. Um, he was saying that these words were not uh, not acceptable under like this state of law. Mm. When actually the rest of the EU and sections of the UN can look in and actually see, you know, there might actually be a problem here. Yeah. Since 1970 in France, there have been movements to try and expose the, the police brutality and the criminalisation of the victims, but it's never really worked. And in fact, there's still a French term, which is um, bavour, mm -hmm. which is blunder. That goes to, um, it still stands for people who die after police quote-unquote encounters. Oh, I didn't know this word actually. Bavour, okay. So obviously since the 2000s with independent and with social media, it was finally seen firsthand that the police were actually quite heavy-handed in their methods and that police violence was actually finally being called out for what it was. Yeah. I think this is a worldwide thing. Like, given that now the information can be spread so quickly uh, in social media platforms, not just in France, in every country, country where police violence uh, goes beyond measures, we, we get to observe that. Thank God for iPhones, right? That you yeah. can take these on these protests and you know that you're, you have a certain level of protection. Yeah, and thank God we can film. However, in 2020, there was a law proposed that said that the filming of police at protests was to be made illegal with imposed fines of up to 45,000 euro. It was proposed as like a measure to try and protect the identity of like off-duty police officers but it was also then seen as a way to stop journalists from reporting and a way to hide the abuses of the police um, so yep again everybody protested including me <laughs> I joined these protests the Constitutional Court actually rejected this proposal in 2021 yeah quoting one of our sources there has been new approaches to management um, evolved to like boost police productivity, which increasingly governed itself like a business and uh, with targets to achieve. Um, and the police are valued for like their performance in hitting these targets. And it seems that the easiest way to do this is to make arrests for drug possession, irregular identity papers, which means the targeting of like ethnic minorities in the working classes and young people. Seriously, are we in a video game or something? How can you sit, set these targets for law enforcement? Obviously, they're gonna go towards the easiest targets to achieve their goals, so... I just want to say something here, like, these are guys just trying to do their job, yeah. for the most part. I, I can't sit here and criticise every single member of the police no. force in France. These are guys just trying to get on with their job. It's not an easy job. There is police brutality, yes, there are things that go wrong. But for the most part, I would hope that these are just guys trying to earn a wage and just do what they have to do. And actually, like, remember I mentioned the uh, movie Hatred, La Han? So it really talks about that cycle of to begin with, in these kind of neighborhoods, let's talk about the like uh, economically low income suburban neighborhoods. You grow up in those neighborhoods hating the system mm -hmm. and more hating the police. Mm. And then what happens if a police officer who's just gone out of the academy mm. and he's sent to the suburban areas, 
he's gonna go into these like crowds who already hate them and they're gonna learn hating them so the movie is really talking about hatreds feeds into hatred and it becomes that cycle Absolutely. I do think I think my partner mentioned this I should have looked into this but there was this program set into place back in the 90s where actually youth groups would be educated within these areas so that they can join the law enforcement system so that they can help their own neighborhoods to make it secure and to help it develop and then it got removed. Wow, okay. So yeah. <laughs> it's really like there are systems, I'm pretty sure, that can be thought about. This is not our, we are not working, we're not politicians, we don't know. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there are systems that can be found mm -hmm. to help this overall circle cycle to end. Yeah. But what they're doing with this target, I don't think is the right way to do it. I agree with you. Yeah. It's not the right way to do it. You can't run it as a bureaucracy like that because it's not a business. It's not a yeah. private business to be to be um, having KPIs yeah. and performance reviews. I was just going to say KPIs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, I don't have a full understanding how this works. Obviously, there's budget constraints. There's that there's decisions being made in the government that I am mm -hmm. not even qualified to even talk about. Macron's you know? current government puts a big budget in uh, law enforcement, mm. though, so yeah. I don't know where that goes. Yeah. But I imagine since like the, the terrorist attacks in 2015, yeah. obviously there was like a heightened police presence in the whole city after those yeah. after that happened. When I first got here as well, I was um, I, I arrived in 2017, and the thing that struck me the most about the police presence in Paris is how armed they are. Yeah, and it's now, very like, scary. It is scary, and like you're looking at these young men who are like in their early twenties, early mid twenties, and they're carrying like automatic weapons and they're wandering around in groups. And you think, is this supposed to make me feel safe? Because I would really rather just avoid them. To be yeah. fair, how heavily armed they are and like how they patrol the streets and things is extremely intimidating. And obviously, there was a need for that in the the heightened, yeah. you know, the the, the heightened um, anxiety after twenty. 15? Yeah, uh, it's also like you were just talking about these heavy presence of police on the streets and then we went into France into a state of emergency mm -hmm. and actually the Minister of Justice, she's this amazing woman, she resigned after that because it was being used for racial profiling. Right. So the police control existed mm -hmm. but they were by her understanding, mm -hmm. so I'm quoting her, they were only uh, profiling uh, when they said they saw Arabs, Arabs for yeah. example. Yeah. And I'll try to find the source where I read this and put it in the show notes. It actually mentioned when the drop on tourists arriving in Paris actually happened after the terrorist attack, so not the protests. So indeed, these strikes and protests that we're talking about, do they reduce tourists coming into France who are worried? Yes. But the actual impact was after the terrorist attacks. Right. But yeah, this has been a heavy topic. <laughs> this has been a heavy it's topic. It's not easy to talk about these things. It's, it, it's really not. And um, you know, we we really hope that some of you will reach out to us and give us your opinions on like, what we've been talking about here. Mm -hmm. Shall we end it there and give yeah. give a quote? Uh, yeah. So the quote is. Uh, from uh, 68 revolutions slogans, I looked into many. Is, that's your favorite revolution, yes, right? <laughs> my favorite, my favorite revolt. In French is ne me libère pas, je m'en charge. So which means, uh, don't liberate me, I'll do it myself. Nice. It's kind of sassy. Yeah. It's sassy. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this two-parter of Presque Présienne. We've covered strikes and protests. 
Um, if you'd like to reach out, contact us, leave us any comments, leave us any feedback, ask us any questions, you can hit us up with a follow on Instagram or you can email us. Our email address is on the show notes as per usual. And we would really appreciate it if you could rate us on, the, on your platform of choice. Thanks everyone for listening. Au revoir et vive la France, vive la révolution. <laughs> <laughs>